Welcome to the Injured to Elite podcast with your host, Dr. David Meyer, sports physical therapist, mental performance coach, and former Major League Baseball rehab coordinator for the St. Louis Cardinals. This podcast shares the many stories and strategies of those who have made the journey from injured to elite. Hey everybody, Dave back here with episode number 78 of the Injured to Elite podcast. I want you to think back to a time when you were most vulnerable. If you're an athlete, then I want you to dial it back all the way to when you were a child. Maybe you were waiting to be picked for the team, waiting to find out if you made the team. Maybe you had a parent behind you, a family member that was watching you perform. And I want you to think back to that feeling inside your body, the thoughts that were going through your head. What was that like for you? Today's episode is going to go deep into the topic of vulnerability. Vulnerability is what I believe to be the bigger, better offer, or the BBO, as I learned from Dr. Judd Brewer, to mental toughness in sport, especially after injury. So this is going to be a solo episode. I have so much to say on this topic. A lot of it is owed to Brene Brown, who has an amazing TED Talk on the power of vulnerability. It hit me like a ton of bricks, things going on in my own life, where I realized, oh my God, vulnerability can be the superpower for athletes after injury and athletes in general. So let's jump into episode number 78, a topic I have a lot to talk about, vulnerability. So the bigger, better offer to mental toughness in sport after injury, I believe to be vulnerability. Vulnerability is something that I'm learning a lot about after going into a deep dive with the work by Dr. Brene Brown out of the University of Houston. Some of you might be familiar with her. Many of you might not be. She has done tremendous amounts of work surrounding shame and vulnerability in research as a qualitative researcher, as a speaker, and in her own life. As I dive deep into her work on this, I realized that this is exactly what athletes and those after injury need to really hear. So before we go into what this all is, the importance of it, or the why, let's first talk about mental toughness. Because I think this is one of those topics that I think is very misunderstood and blindly followed, so to speak, especially in the world of sports and performance. Mental toughness, I believe, is a great way to take a step forward. Whether you're finding the courage or bravery, I really should say, to put yourself in a tough situation, risking maybe injury or risking pain, such as If you think of a football player going on the gridiron, there's a level of mental toughness you need. Mental toughness can be good when you have to face the music or face something you don't want to face. Mental toughness, though, has a lot of shortcomings, especially when moving forward is not clear. After an injury, we don't always know what moving forward really looks like or what moving forward really means. In situations where you know you have to go on the football field and you have to go against 
the big lineman against you, it, mental toughness, I get it. You need to get out there, get it done. But in life, especially for those of us that are, are already getting to those higher levels, the more competitive stages, the defining moments in our lives, we, we've expressed mental toughness. When it's unclear how we move forward, how we evolve, how we grow, how we heal physically, mentally, mental toughness does not do it, especially alone. It might be part of it. Think about mental toughness as this analogy. It's liquid courage. You go to a bar and if you drink, you have the beer, you have that drink, that cocktail, and you get a little bit of that liquid courage and you speak to somebody at the bar that you might want to speak with. You get that mental toughness to start the conversation. That's all it gives you. It doesn't hold it. The conversation will not be held by liquid courage. It's transient. It's short-lived. That's mental toughness. It might open the conversation. It might get you to move, quote-unquote, forward. But a lot of you that are listening to me don't exactly know what forward is yet, and that's okay. So the question I have for you is, what was a moment in your life going way back when you were super vulnerable? And don't rush to think of a quick answer or situation. What was a time in your life when maybe it was early on in your sport career? Maybe you were in school and you were waiting to be picked for which team you were going to be on, the good team or the, the B or the C team. You were sit, standing there seen by all those peers of yours and you were waiting, are they going to pick me or not? Am I going to even get on a team? Another example could be you were brought to the field with mom or dad, whether it's baseball, soccer, and you're just getting into the game, the sport, and they're behind you watching you and you don't really know what you're doing yet. And you can feel that. You either sink or swim. If you kept playing the game, you might have a positive memory of this and you might not remember feeling vulnerable. But there was a moment when you were extremely vulnerable and it wasn't mental toughness that got you where you were if you ex excelled at that sport. It was embracing a vulnerable moment, unknowingly and unconsciously probably. A lot of the guests on this podcast have been in situations where they were extraordinarily vulnerable. And this is something I realized, again, after getting deep into Brene Brown's work on vulnerability and how she has discovered shame to be so connected to vulnerability. And I think, again, I'm like, wow, this is exactly what athletes go through. This is exactly what people after injury with serious physical goals go through. When I think of the podcast guests like Jordan Schaefer, our last guest, Ryan Sheriff, Daniel Bard, DJ Mateo, John Denny. All of these people were at very vulnerable points in their lives. Our last guest we'll talk about, Jordan Schaefer, when it was being traded to different teams and finding himself in different positions on the field and having a new surgery, not really loving the person he was as a ball player or as a person. Those were vulnerable moments, and those can easily have been filled with the mental toughness-like stuff or maladaptive behaviors or 
as Schaefer talked about, for him, it was how he dated women and sought out things in that direction. And now he's regretful. Maybe he didn't embrace vulnerability during his career the way he, he wished he could have to have been able to grow as a ball player. He certainly had plenty of mental toughness and a great work ethic, and he worked his butt off. This is supportive of this whole idea behind embracing vulnerability. When you think of the elite athletes out there, if you take a Jordan, a Tiger Woods, a Tom Brady, any of these individuals, it's not mental toughness that makes them great because plenty of their peers are mentally tough. They are able to thrive in very uncomfortable situations. We make a mistake by thinking that they're not feeling that vulnerability. They're in touch with it. This is a key. Being able to throw the ball down the field and score a touchdown in a situation when you're down or when you got an amazing defense coming at you, how can you not feel vulnerable? How can you not feel vulnerable after suffering a tremendous physical injury? How can you not feel that? How can you not come into touch with that if you're going to grow through it? I keep coming back to this quote, the only way out is through. And it's exactly what this is about. Embracing that vulnerability after an injury is the only way to really grow through it. But we have this fascination that mental toughness is the way. There's so many books on it. There's great people that talk about it. David Goggins. That's who I think of when I think of mental toughness. I don't have a problem with mental toughness. I just think that there's a bigger and better offer to utilize when we're at low points as an athlete and after injury. And I think it's vulnerability. So Brene Brown, she talks about shame. She believes that shame is one of the biggest issues we have in this world, contributing to addiction, all types of poor behaviors, comparing ourselves to others. And I think it's absolutely spot on. Of course, she's got plenty of qualitative research to prove it. Think about this. When we disappoint, let's say when we're hurt, we can't help our team out. How do we feel? We're ashamed of ourselves. And that's where the problems can begin and grow and metastasize. Because when we become ashamed of who we are, especially when a sport defines part of who we are, then we start to lose confidence in ourselves. We start to lose ourselves. And being mentally tough in those situations is just denying who you are. It's liquid courage. It's a drink. But if we can learn and grow through this by forgiving ourselves and also finding out a way to embrace that discomfort, then maybe you can find the right direction to go next, right? So we're going to go through first how to embrace vulnerability. And I want to make this very specific and in context with the topic of sport and injury. Again, I brought you into that example to use when you were vulnerable in your life. It could be right now with your injury, or it could be a point in time when you were much younger. Because many people after injury are in more the belief that I'm just going to get back out there at all costs and use that mental toughness attitude. So I want to convince you that there's more to it to help you in the long run. So if you want to think back to that younger self, I call it the inner shadow, when you were just pl- starting to play the, the sport, or it could be high school, it could be any point when you felt vulnerable, when you felt that rattle inside of you that 
unnerving sensation and feeling. So how do we embrace it after injury? The first thing that calls to me that Brene Brown talks about is uncertainty. Uncertainty can cause us to feel very vulnerable. And this sense of shame that we put on ourselves if we, if we can't handle what's coming our way, if we disappoint ourselves and those around us, especially as this prototypical strong athlete, that can be an unbearable feeling. So when we're unsure of our health, you can imagine how we feel very, very vulnerable. So what do you do after feeling that way? Well, I can tell you what I've observed. People usually try and create an environment of certainty, try and have all the answers, getting the MRI report, seeking the best clinicians out there, making sure that you're doing every single exercise possible. Although some of those things are good and part of it, like I said, when you're talking about moving forward in an unfamiliar or new dynamic unfolding situation, such as healing after an injury, it might not always be the best to, to force yourself to have answers that you just don't have. What does that do? It cycles more uncertainty and it kind of puts you in a tailspin. The first thing I want to encourage everybody to do is to embrace that uncertainty. Have comfort and peace in the uncertainty. It's not always about changing the perspective of bad to good. Not always saying, hey, look, not knowing could be fun and exhilarating. Because I, I don't think that's really always the case. I think sometimes we just have to accept it for what it is, and it's sometimes very unnerving and very uncomfortable. I will tell you this, though. The growth that comes out of it, the direction that things go for you, can give you unforeseen gifts. There are things that are going to make sense in the long run. You might not believe that right now. That's where faith comes into play. Hopefully, you have practices there. That will be something that reveals itself later in time. And what I'm telling you is, if you can find comfort and peace in that uncertainty, letting go of certainty, letting go of knowing everything going on in terms of a linear fashion with your rehab, with your athletic career, and you're able to embrace this in-between phase, then that's where the growth can occur. You can actually become the athlete you want to become instead of hiding from it and putting the wall up of toughness. That's not going to last. You have to do this anyway. So that's the first one, letting go of certainty. And I can tell you case point after case point, example of after example of situations where I had athletes when I was working for the Cardinals that wanted their throwing program all drawn out, line by line, meaning they wanted to know exactly when they were going to throw at certain distances, different phases of the throwing program, whether it was off of a mound, simulated games, and that provided them a level of certainty. They knew exactly what was to come. That calmed them down. They, they had a better sense that they weren't going to feel ashamed of who they are, that they can avoid this vulnerability. Here's what would happen. Almost every time at some point, what would arise was a setback or a change in how they felt. Even if everything was going great, scar tissue in the, the elbow usually would loosen up and it would cause a lot of feelings and emotions, and sometimes a lot of fear. Sometimes it was a totally normal thing. Sometimes it meant that we needed to change 
the program because mechanics, things like this, all these things are affected, right? So they'd come to me and they say, all right, well, I know you, we drew out this whole program, but now I'm freaked out. Do I need an MRI? What do we do? And then a lot of times I would see them get into a little bit of a tailspin, very reactive. If we can work in the vulnerability piece from the get-go, I love how my one of my last guests, future guests, future episode, Dave Pearson, former Mets rehab coordinator, he tells his, and now I, I use this, so if you're my patient or client, you, you've heard me say this maybe, he would tell the athlete after surgery, I know this is your first time having this surgery, but it's not my first time working with somebody who had this surgery. And he would set those expectations up from the beginning, essentially saying, listen, you don't have any of the answers. That's okay. I can help you with it. So that ball player that was coming to me at the get-go saying, I want everything drawn out. I want to, I want to know everything that's going on. Part of that is also contributed to as athletes and pro athletes, especially the schedules laid out for them. So when they don't have that, it's very much a matter of feeling extraordinarily vulnerable but they can learn how to kind of guide themselves a little bit better too. Like what got them there? Maybe having everything drawn out is not always so great about figuring out what's the right amount of load and throwing and performance for you. And then I would talk to the player and we would come to that understanding like, okay, we're going to go day by day. They would embrace a little more uncertainty. The benefit of that, to figure out how to go forward in a way that makes most sense in a very unfamiliar, uncertain situation that you cannot have certainty with. You just can't have it. It's not how the world works. Certainly not how injuries work. Certainly not how professional sports work. Everything's up in the air. We've seen collapses of organizations. We've seen streaks by organizations. It's just how it is. I believe that those very successful in the rehab process or just as athletes themselves, they have to embrace this uncertainty. The conventional sports rehab process can be isolating, frustrating, and downright ineffective. Whether you're an injured athlete or work with them, I have found that training the mind is the X factor in making a true injured to elite transformation. This podcast was born through the writing of my book, Injured to Elite, a guide to empowering yourself to transform your life after injury, available in all formats, including paperback, audio, and ebook on Amazon. In addition to my book, I've also founded the Injured to Elite online community who have access to my coaching, mentorship, network, and premium content. Click the appropriate links in the show notes if you're looking to take those next steps in your Injured to Elite journey and send me a DM at Dave M. Meyer on Instagram if you want to learn more. Back to the show. The next piece of it, and it kind of goes along with the first, is stop fixing everything. From a, a psychology standpoint, I'm very much aware if I tell people just stop doing something without addressing the underlying pieces, I can't expect you just to follow through with that, but this is not a counseling session. This is information for you to maybe think differently about how you're doing what it is you're doing. So it's not going to work by me just telling you this, but it's got to start with you understanding this. If you try and fix everything, meaning like the whack-a-mole of it hurts here, I'm going to massage that area out. Then my glutes weak, I'm going to strengthen my glute. And, and then it just becomes a, a matter of addressing every little situation, always trying to feel right when you can't always feel right. 
Sometimes you wake up, you're sluggish. You got to go into work that day. You only get a limited amount of sick days. As an athlete, you only get a, a limited amount of healthy days. Some athletes, the Derek Jeters of the world and Cal Ripkins, they're few and far between. And even they, at some point in time, are going to deal with an injury. And if they have this attitude earlier on, then that would help. A lot of those types of athletes, when they do face the injury, it can be the end of them versus the athlete that's dealt on and off with it for years. Adam Wainwright comes to my mind. He's dealt with so much on and off stuff over the years that I think when he has something, it doesn't affect him the same way. It's not always good to have the clean record forever. Battle wounds and scars are cool. I'm not saying to go out there and get hurt, but you know what? It's inspiring. So don't try and fix everything. Let yourself kind of be there. The day you're in pain, what if you let yourself be in pain that day and let that be the pain day? So tomorrow, maybe when your sleep is better and you get a better meal in you and you have more supportive people around you that day because you hung out with the friend finally that you wanted to be around and things click and you're a little bit better, you can ride that track and not have to put so much effort into something that can't be fixed anyway. The theme has been a lot about don't fix your pain. That energy that you're devoting towards fixing everything, if you devote that a little bit towards being there with yourself, I think that can be incredible. The next thing I want to talk about, and there's a few more, is how to express this vulnerability. Again, coming back to the topic here, mental toughness, what's the bigger, better offer to it? I think this is such an important piece of the culture of sport, especially elite sport. How do we express it if it's not cool to be vulnerable as an athlete? After an injury, if you're a student athlete or a pro athlete, you better be in the training room. You better take care of business. You better have a smile on your face. Be positive. Read the positive books. Get the podcast going every morning. Show up and get it done. Does it work that way? No, it doesn't. So with that in mind, how do we start expressing it better? Well, first, it's to ourself. It comes to ourself. Remember, Brene Brown's work is connected to shame. We're ashamed of, of something. We, we feel like we're not enough. We're less than. We're not good enough to be deserving. We're not deserving of this opportunity to be an athlete or to be even a human, to have this, this life of ours. We got to work on that by expressing ourselves to ourselves empathetically. Not just self-talk, not just affirmation. Let's talk about empathy. The example that Brene Brown uses, I think, is brilliant. If you could imagine a hole outside in, in, a, in a field, and you walk by the hole, and you see your friend there, and your friend's at the bottom of the hole, let's talk first about sympathy. Ah, oh, you poor thing in the bottom of that hole. Man, that sucks. Wish you the best. That's sympathy. Sympathy with yourself. You're injured. You have a, an ACL tear or a ligament in your elbow, shoulder, rotator cuff, back. Doesn't matter. Ah, uh, you're always getting hurt. Are you ever going to be healthy? You just have the worst luck with this. That's sympathy with yourself. What's empathy look like? Empathy after the injury. Or let's talk about empathy with the, the hole example first. Your friend in the hole, right? The first one was, ah, oh, you poor thing. You're just stuck at the bottom of the hole. Empathy is, 
ah, let me, let me take a seat here. Let me think about, man, that must really be scary. I, I wonder if we could brainstorm some ideas of what you can do. How does that look like with yourself? Instead of beating yourself up of, oh, self-pity of you're always hurt. That looks like, this is really tough. My knee really hurts. I don't know what the future holds with my career. And that scares me. But I wonder maybe, maybe there's a way through this. It's got to be tough. This would be tough for anybody. That's empathy. That's self-empathy. And then self-compassion. That's how you need to express yourself and with others. You don't always have to tell the clinician that you're good. I'm good. Especially not to please us. It starts with us as clinicians because then you come into us, whether we're an athletic trainer, a chiropractor, a physical therapist, a strength coach, you come to us and we're like, how are you doing? Oh, you're not feeling better? <clears throat> and we take responsibility. How can we take responsibility? The only thing we have responsibility for is how we work with you, but we can't take responsibility for your outcome. And then we feed it into you that you got to pep us up and tell us, oh yeah, I'm doing great. That massage felt great. So to the clinicians out there, check that out. There's an unforeseen cost. Doesn't mean you're malicious, but there's a consequence there. You can express yourself to your clinician and say, yeah, this is really challenging. I'd imagine it's, it should be. That's where I'm at. That's being vulnerable. Now, the other, the, the other side of that could be just dumping it on somebody. This is terrible. I, I, I come here all the time. I get all these exercises. I don't get better. Now, Brene Brown has a term for this. I forget what this is called because she goes through a whole thing of how we work with vulnerability. So how do we avoid it? How do we do all these different things? I forget the exact term for it. She's got a very specific term she uses where we kind of dump it on that other person. And I think this happens in the training room where the athlete comes in and says, well, I'm doing everything you're telling me to do and I'm not getting better. And I think we can, as clinicians, I say we, because we're all clinicians, even the athlete that's doing it yourself. You're a clinician too. You just don't have a license, but you're a clinician. We, we can start by educating ourselves on the idea that it doesn't work that way with uncertainty. We can't just exercise our way out of it. It's a process. So expressing ourselves empathetically to ourselves and to others, very important. We also talked about embracing that uncertainty, right? Comfort and peace in that, not fixing everything. The last piece that I want to share right now, because I think this is going to be a theme that continues, is creativity and play. What happens after injury that I've seen is that the fun just gets sucked out of it. Sometimes after, maybe right after the injury, if it's a ball player, they have the ball in their hand again, they're throwing the ball, it feels kind of good. There's a smile on their face, but it's short-lived. We forget to have fun and we forget that we're playing. Certainly don't use creativity. Happens in rehab because we want certainty. So certainty and play and creativity, they're kind of in some ways a little bit contradictory. If we're doing something novel or new, or doing something again for the first time after injury, there needs to be a level of creativity and play. And that is definitely not going to go along with certainty. So evidence-based practice, we call it for the patients and the athletes out there. We have this huge push in the rehab world 
to have evidence behind what it is we do. But the other side to it is one of the elements of evidence-based practice is you, the individual. And I think that's where creativity and play come in. So the three pillars of evidence-based medicine we talk about are the research, boring, (laughs) the clinician, that's how we work with you, and then you. They all matter. It's all about the bias and those three parties. They all matter equally, I believe. If you utilize creativity and play, what you can do is you can work through that uncertainty by reconnecting, engaging with what it is you're doing again in an uncertain time, in a vulnerable time. Think about dancing. When you go to a party and you start dancing, unless you're Usher, do you just break out into a choreographed bunch of moves? No, you get going to the beat. What is that? Is that in the book of dancing of how to start the beat? I don't think so. I believe that it's probably a level of moving to the beat, kind of using creativity, playing with the movement, playing with the sound in your head. That's how you get your body going after an injury. Not just doing three sets of 10 of the prescribed exercises. Even your health journey, I don't think is a bunch of prescriptions. Because in those prescriptions and those medical appointments, how much is it of you changing your lifestyle? And how much of you changing your lifestyle is finding out a way to creatively make it work for you and enjoying it? Maybe it's not going to a gym and it's yoga. Maybe it's walking along the beach. Whatever that means, it's, it's an element of creativity and play that's part of your health journey. The medication might be lowering your cholesterol just as much as your activity modification is. They say sitting is the new smoking. It's the same thing. I think we need to put more stock in creativity and play when we're vulnerable. Just like when you're vulnerable, when the music starts and you don't know how to get into the dance and you find yourself. And that goes into when you were really young as an athlete and you got into the game. You might not remember it. Bring this full circle. Before you impressed yourself or anybody with a bat in your hand, a ball in your hand, a soccer ball against your toes, a racket in your hand, running, there was an element of you embracing vulnerability through enjoyment, through play, through discovery, something totally new and different that had no certainty at all. It couldn't have because it never existed for you. And we forget that. And that's why the bigger, better offer to mental toughness is the power of how Brene Brown tells us, vulnerability. Embrace it. Listen to this episode again, especially the area of how to embrace it. And I think that you're going to be able to change the narrative and change the outcome of what you're going through. I tell you this all the time. I believe in you. I have faith in you. I'm just asking you to have a little more belief, a little more faith in yourself and take it in a different way than you have in the past. Try something a little bit different, more on the mental plane, the emotional plane. Let the physical follow. I hope this was helpful for everybody. Stay tuned for the next few weeks. We got some really cool episodes. Dave Pearson, the former Mets rehab coordinator, now working with the Air Force. We have Mark Salomon, who wrote an awesome book, Does It Hurt When I Do This? Really an empowerment guide for those after injury and in physical therapy. 
Then we have Kate Ekman. Unreal episode. Kate and I discuss all of her work, the full spiritual workout, really in line with the work I do. Kate and I are going to be doing much more in the future together. So we got an amazing lineup. More to come. Check out the previous episode that ties into today with Jordan Schaefer, episode number 77. Hope you have an amazing week, and I'll come back soon. Take care. Go to drdavidmeyer.com to find out more about David, the Injured to Elite Network, and his book, Injured to Elite.